The Evolving Leader is a series that shares insights into the never-ending journey of leadership and entrepreneurship. Join us as Three Pillars CEO David DeWolf talks with peers who have been instrumental in his own leadership journey. Thanks for joining us and welcome back to The Evolving Leader. This episode will cap off season one of the podcast, and in it, David and I are going to discuss some of the key takeaways from all the conversations we've had so far. If you're listening to this episode, I'm going to assume that David DeWolf needs no introduction at this point. So let's dive right in. David, it's been a long day. We've talked with a lot of folks over the course of the day. Uh, You've always been big about the idea of connecting the dots. Mm. So what what dots are you connecting in your brain now after, after hearing from all of our guests? I think the idea of connecting the dots is about really making sure you're actively listening and picking up evidence along the way of your journey. Mm -hmm. And those that connect the dots are able to tie them together to reach conclusions that others may not obviously see, right? And through that, you begin to paint a picture, right? And I think one of the things that has come up over and over throughout all of our conversations has been the importance of people, right? In all of our conversations, even in our M&A conversation, culture mm-hmm. came up, right? How people work together. Obviously, we had a whole episode on the scaling of culture. Um, we talked early on about how to establish culture with Bobby. All Every single conversation somehow came back to people and culture. And I, I think that's an important thing. And for leaders to really understand, if you want to sustain your leadership, really making sure whether you call it culture or you call it getting buy-in, a key part of the leadership journey is learning how to continually increase that influence you have by surrounding yourself with people who share those ideas, share those different beliefs that you have, and then investing in, and I think another piece of what we talked about was caring about the people, right? There was a lot of different anecdotes that came up about how much it matters to really care about the other person, mm-hmm. um, how much it, it matters to be selfless and to invest in others. Um, and so those types of things, I think, really start to paint the picture of, I think, too often we think about leadership as, as management. It's about the discipline of you know, making sure people do things. And I, I don't think that's what any of our conversations have been about. So that's definitely one kind of realization um, that, that has come to my mind. Yeah. I think another one that I heard from a lot of different guests yeah, is, is as a leader or, or just you know, as an individual in a company, kind of the importance of being coachable and being able to accept feedback without getting, you know, without getting offended. You know, right. we're, all, we're all adults, right? Everybody is giving you constructive feedback with your best interests in mind. Yep. But I think probably, you know, as you climb the corporate ladder, it gets easier and easier to shut that out no, or to sure. say, you know, I'm the CEO. I've been able to do this, that, and the other, you know, I, I know. And I think to your credit, um, that's not, that's not a trait that you, that you have. And I think for any leader that hopes to evolve and hopes to, you know, grow into their role and continue to grow along with their company, I think that's a super important trait and, you know, that, that they have. One, one of my favorite books, Will, is uh, Good to Great. It's a great um, book about the difference between great organizations and good organizations. Mm -hmm. And you would think that the research would show that it's strategy and all these different things. What you wouldn't expect is one of the five core traits 
is this idea of level five leadership. And level five leadership is all about leaders who, yes, they possess certain innate leadership abilities that they've learned and honed over the years and they're able to communicate and they're able to help drive vision and strategy. But the number one thing about level five leadership versus level four leadership is all about that humility. It's mm -hmm. all about, it's not all about them. It's about a greater good. And I think that matters. I think people really, really buy into what they believe in. They really buy into something that is bigger than themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for it to be bigger than themselves if it's all about just another person, right? And so the leaders that try to get out of the way, the leaders that are there for their people, are there to serve, are really the leaders that I look up to. And I think you've seen a lot of those leaders throughout this, um, this season. Um, those are the people that I really look up to and believe uh, can help to move an organization forward because it's not about them. It's not about the selfishness. Yeah. And I remember you've told a story that I've heard a, a time or two from early in your career when you were handed almost for the first time, I believe, a, a leadership position and the advice that, that your, one of your mentors gave you. Can you share that? Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget. It was, it was one of my very earliest mentors was a man named John Fowler and he was brilliant. And uh, he took me under his wing. I'd been doing some consulting uh, for him and he, he ended up hiring me. And uh, after a couple of years of working together, he trained me on a lot of different things. And he had helped the company that we had worked for sell this brand new, very large kind of premier engagement with a, a brand name, a household brand name. Uh, and he pulled me aside and he brought me in and, and I thought that I was going to learn that I was going to be on his team in order to, to help him with this engagement. And that wouldn't have been a surprise to me because we had a great relationship. Uh, but he actually pulled me aside and he said, uh, David, I actually want you to lead this engagement and I'm going to be on your team. And I was like two years out of school and I, I was really puzzled by that. Um, and as I began to ask questions and, and dive in, he said, David, this isn't about me. This is about what's best for the engagement and the client and for the team. He said, you have some an amazing leadership capabilities. You're a better leader than I am. What you need is to have confidence that you can do it, but the humility to know that you don't know everything. And just like I'm taking a step back in order to allow you to thrive and become the best version of yourself, I need you to do the same thing for the people that you're going to lead through this engagement. And, and I would say that was probably one of the biggest breakthroughs in my career, right? Obviously, I've had several at Three Pillar, but in my early career to have somebody that invested so much in me and wasn't about himself and was willing to say, hey, yeah, I'm a great technologist, but you're a better leader. And I think you should be out front and I'm here to support you. It was an amazing boost of confidence, but also really taught me the importance of putting the organization and the team first and foremost. So I've got a question for you about process, because I think everybody's kind of interested in, a lot of people have talked about your vision and how mm -hmm. you see you, you see things three, five years into the future mm -hmm. and can kind of drive people toward that. Yep. So it, it, if you're thinking, you know, this is where I want to take three pillar in three years, if you want to have a, you know, a brainstorm, let's say, <laughs> what, what's your process like for, you know, for, for kind of taking that long view of things? Yeah. So I think there are a couple things. I think first and foremost, the way I'm wired is I'm a continual processor. Um, it's probably the thing that drives people the most nuts about me, especially <laughs> my wife, uh, poor Teresa. Um, 
I, I have a really hard time turning my brain off. And so I'm always turning things over and collecting these data points and turning them over and looking at them from different directions. Um, and so that's always going on in the background. It's a background process. But I find that it's really important for two things. Um, first of all, I have to give myself space and margin. Um, so it's intentional. We talked in one of the episodes uh, about my morning routine. Mm -hmm. And I have a very deliberate morning routine um, that sets me up for being able to do deep work and some deep thinking. And that deep thinking allows me to surface these background processes. And it can be about casting vision. It can be about navigating the strategy. It could be just solving a challenge in the day. But giving myself space and room at the point of the day when I'm at peak performance is really what matters. I don't do as well if I'm trying to do that in the evening or I'm trying to squeeze it in the afternoon. I know optimal performance for me is between five o'clock and 1030 in the morning. Like that's my time. And so I design my day very intentionally to be able to capture that period of time as much as possible. All right. And then I also create a process and a rhythm around when and how I do that for vision. And so I have these blocks of time. But literally twice a year, I purposely, um, in preparation for the launch of a new year and at the midpoint, take out all of the fundamental documents of Three Pillar. Um, that is our core ideology, that is our vision, that is our strategy, and I tweak them. I look, what did I learn in the last six months? What did I learn that I can apply? And how does this apply to those long-term things that are enduring in the business, but should always be evolved and tweaked? Mm -hmm. And I continually do that. And that gives me the rhythm to coming back and being intentional about making sure I'm doing my job, right? The CEO's job is to run 18 months ahead. How do I make sure I come back to that and I have a process in place that pushes me to not just get caught up in what's happening in the business, but to work on the business, not just in the business. And so that rhythm has been really good to me and about every, depends on how fast things are going, but about every three to four um, years, and it's accelerated here more recently, there becomes an impetus in one of those reviews to, you know what, here's a breakthrough. We need to add just one more thing. It's not just about a tweak of a word or navigating this or that. It's here's a brand new value proposition that we need to embed into what we're doing. And that helps to build that moat. It helps to build that competitive advantage in the market. Yeah. So let me let me step away from the company a little bit and just talk about you, yep. you the person. You know, as I mentioned in the intro to episode one, you wear a lot of hats. Yep. Um, you're in addition to CEO and founder of Three Pillar, you're an angel investor. You're a board member for a number of companies. Um, you're a father of eight. Yeah. Um, how do you do it all? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, um, I would say I've been very fortunate. I have a spouse in my wife, Teresa, that is the hero of the family. Um, there is no doubt that she's my better half. And uh, it does an incredible job of, of supporting me um, and helping us craft the life that we both want uh, together. And uh, it's not always easy for her, um, but uh, we're, we're pretty intentional uh, about our family. And uh, she's just been a huge part of it. She does not like the limelight. She likes to be in the home and, and with the kids and she stays at home with them. And, and that's, that's worked for us. And, and every single situation works differently for other people. Um, but that's been part of my secret for sure, is, is her support over the years. And um, I'd say that's number one. But I think number two is really important too, because she, she really cares passionately about, just as much as I do, how do I make sure that I am the best version of myself, which means not just being the CEO, but also being a husband and a father. 
And um, the way we've done that is to not separate them. Um, we are very deliberate about working and living an integrated life. And I've been very deliberate about bringing my kids on road trips with me. Um, you know, one of my favorite memories was taking, at the time, my 15-year-old daughter to India to visit our office. And, you know, she did her homework in the office for three days, but we had an amazing time together. And then when we went to the Taj Mahal, the relationship that we formed there was unbelievable. Um, I have actually had a legal call to close an acquisition while I was on a baseball diamond coaching third base because I had promised my son that I was going to coach that game. And when the deal slipped and it didn't close when I expected and I had to have the call on a Saturday morning, um, I wasn't going to let that down. I was willing to integrate my life. And it was okay for me to say to the lawyers, hey, we're, we're in D.C., London, um, and Delhi all at the same time. I, it was okay for me to say, hey, guys, I want to be with you on the video chat. But guess what? This morning uh, I committed to my son, and I, I'm here to do my duty. Um, but I'm, I'm also a father, first and foremost. And so I've brought these things together, and I've allowed my life to spill over. And then I look for very intentional moments where I can do these things together. Take the example of traveling with my daughter. It allowed me to be an incredible father, spend dedicated time, the plane ride together. Some of the experiences we had in India really helped my daughter in a lot of different ways. Not only bond with me, but learn a lot of new things, see the world. At the same time, it gave me the ability to be away from home and not neglect my duties. And so I could be with our team members in India at that point in time, right? And so anytime I can find leverage like that and where these different responsibilities come together, I will definitely make use of it. Yeah. And so where do you, you know, personally and professionally, I guess, where, where do you see yourself in five years with, with all the various things that you, that you have going on? Well, you know, honestly, I, I hope that I'm still right here in this place. Um, I tell people all the time that if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Teresa makes fun of me because I don't have any hobbies. And my answer to that is I actually do. Um, they just happen to pay me for my hobby. I love business. I love building teams and working with other people. And I love to invest in others so that together we can accomplish more than any one of us could on our own. And I love doing that at Three Pillar. And so we really believe that, you know, it's once in a lifetime that you have the opportunity to build a company that actually has the ability to win a sector of the market. And we have happened to fall into that place where we have that ability. And so we have some big aspirations for Three Pillar um, and really believe we have the ability to, to scale and to grow and to, to win a space. And I've been fortunate to find mentors and people that have helped me get to a place where I can do that and that I can live into that dream and that vision. Um, and I continue to enjoy it every single day. And so I think I'll be at this place. I just think I'll be learning more and new lessons of leadership and continuing to evolve into a larger organization, a different organization. I think it's very possible that that's a public company at that point in time. Um, that would be a new challenge for me. I've never run a public company. I've never worked in a public company, except as a consultant. So that would be a new challenge for me. And so learning those things, stretching and growing and doing it with new people is a lot of fun for me. And I hope to continue to be doing that. I hope to be an incredible dad. I hope to get better at being a, a good husband. Um, and I, I hope to continue to be able to invest in new leaders and, and entrepreneurs um, through those investments I make and kind of sharing the, the experiences and the failures I've had for their benefit. So hopefully they can become 
even greater leaders um, than I've become, um, just like those like like Bobby who came before me have, have done for me. And when you're when you're talking about investing, you know what what kind of investments or what kind of companies are you looking to to, to invest in? Yeah, so you know a lot of the investing that I do is in early stage technology companies, right? I'm, I'm in the, di the digital technology space, and so um, that's what I know, and I really believe in investing in what you know. But honestly, what's more important than that to me is the leaders themselves. Um, at that phase, in the early phases, it's all about the person. Are they coachable? Are they humble? Are they passionate? Are they committed? I absolutely do not invest in people that are just looking to make money um, and, and get rich. I, I want somebody that's passionate about that idea and is wanting to bring value to the world, hopefully for a greater purpose than themselves. And, and so I look for that first and foremost. Um, I think you also have to look for markets, what markets can sustain it. Um, obviously the idea itself matters, but the reality is most ideas are wrong when they start out. And so the idea has to have enough traction, but also enough room to pivot, right? It comes back to that concept of humble confidence that we talked about. You've gotta have a leader who has the emotional intelligence to know their own weaknesses, mm -hmm. um, has the commitment to the vision, but is humble enough to learn and to navigate. Yeah, very nice. Well, so we've, we've shared a bunch of stories over the course of the podcast. Yeah. I can tell your voice is fading just a little bit. So I'm going to take some stress off you and I'm going to share a story about your leadership that's made a big impact on, on my life. Uh -oh. uh, and there are people that know elements of this story, but I, I haven't told, you know, I haven't, I've never told it this way, I would say. Okay. So, you know, we talked with Bobby about kind of where I was in my career when when the, the company I worked for Point About was acquired by Three Pillar. Right. And I was I was kind of I was on my second act I would say in my career. I worked in book publishing up in New York for a number of years. Had a small hand in a few startups that didn't really pan out. I moved to D.C. because it was closer to home. I always liked it. To me, it was a nice mix of New York and and North Carolina, where I'm from. Mm. Um, and and but I was basically like I was starting over. And so um, I had worn a number of hats at Point About, the company that Three Pillar acquired. And I had been at, at Three Pillar for a few years when, uh, when I got a note from you one day that said, um, you know, hey, I've just been at this, at this platform conference and I heard a guy named Cliff Ravenscraft talk and he talked about the potential of podcasts. Yeah. And there are 200 million English language blogs in the world, but only 250,000 podcasts. And I want to take all this talent that you have with multimedia and bundle it up. And I want you to take this podcast idea and run with it. And, and for, for context, I didn't feel like I had great multimedia skills at the time. <laughs> you know, I, I, could, I was willing to do a lot of things. And so I got to do a lot of things. Some of the things that I did with you early on were video production. Totally. And uh, we had an, an, a Canon camera in-house, a Dia, uh, DSLR. And the first few times we used it, I couldn't even figure out how to focus it. I was looking through the viewfinder and you were in focus, but I didn't know that you had to press down on the shutter button to, to get you to focus. Okay. So anyway, I got this email. I'm like, what is he talking about multimedia skills? Um, and uh, and it was also, I was also going through a, a bit of a challenging time personally. One of my good friends um, was a guy named Drew Youngblood. I'd known him since I was three years old. Mm -hmm. We grew up going to church together. We went to middle school together, high school together, college together. Great guy. Um, he could walk in this room and start talking to a column and talk for 30 minutes. Wow. Um, and he, you know, naturally came by, so, by some issues with chemical dependencies. Okay. 
and um, and I had a front row seat to a lot of his you know kind of demise. Right. right. It ultimately it ultimately ended up costing him his life. Yeah. Um, but so this this kind of coincided with the time that you charged me with taking on this podcast. Mm. And so I, over the course of kind of prepping for this, I've looked back at some dates. Um, and uh, and so I was riding in Jamie Whitaker's car down I-66 when I got a call from my dad on February 17th, 2014, uh, letting me know that Drew had passed away. Wow. Uh, I was supposed to talk with a guy named Jonathan Vihar from the Center for Creative Leadership later on that day for our first, it would have been our first external podcast interview. Very first outside guest. Wow. And... Uh, I got back in the studio, and I, you know, I was in shock. I was getting texts and calls from high school friends and everybody, you know, wanting to talk about what had happened with Drew. And uh, and I was trying to do this podcast interview, and we had, you know, we had a pretty elaborate setup, kind of like this. And our mics were running into a into a mixing board. And yeah, long story short, I could hear Jonathan over the headphones, but I couldn't get his sound to come through the mixing board. I was like, I'm sorry, man. I, I don't know what's going on with the setup, but I can't do this today. He, of course, didn't know anything that was going on. He could not have been nicer and more gracious. Wow, he amazing. said, he was like, don't worry about it. Let me know when you can do it. When tomorrow are you available? I, you know, I will do it with you. Um, and, uh, and so I inter- ended up interviewing him the next day, February 18th. Okay. Um, February 20th was Drew's funeral. Wow. Uh, I, I was able to go back and trace the dates from seeing I'd, I'd been to a UNC Duke game that night. Alan okay. Stein Jr. will be sorry to hear that UNC won that game. <laughs> um, and the next day, February 21st, our first episode, uh, which was the interview with Jonathan Vihar, went live. Okay. Um, and so uh, there are a couple nuggets that I want to pull out, and I know that's kind of a long-winded story. But so one is that, you know, I think – for leaders, you know, having the ability to see potential in people mm. that they don't see themselves is uh, is such a key part of what leadership really is. Interesting. And you know, it, it made a huge impact on my life. The pod, the Innovation Engine podcast is is the name of the podcast. It's still going. Yep. Jennifer Ives hosts it. One of our one of your colleagues at Three Pillar, one of my former colleagues. So go give it a listen. Um, but it, it was one of the true joys of my professional life to host it um and and so uh so but so that's one thing kind of seeing talent that that people don't see themselves and then also i think seeing people as almost as seeing the best in people right Mm -hmm. and and that was something that i struggled with sometimes when i was in a leadership role you're thinking like gosh yeah why isn't so and so doing this or doing that or, or whatever and not really giving them like the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've talked a lot about seeing the people mm-hmm. that are behind, you know, the, the things that we're doing. Right? right. And so anyway, I wanted to share that and, and to say thank you. And yeah. And to hopefully put a personal touch on, you know, on kind of like the importance of this and why we're why we're here today. Yeah. Caring about people and really seeing people for who they are and their gifts and talents. Right. So many times we get caught up in what we think about ourselves, what we've heard from the world. We lose sight of what we're 
great at, right? And and I think you always had a couple of those characteristics, right? You you had this sense for um, media and production. You had this natural curiosity to figure out how words and communication resonates with people and the listener. And then you also had this passion for it. You were incredible. You still are at just driving and doing exceptional work, right? The fact that here we are talking about the first episode and Jonathan was on that podcast, like the, the speakers and the thought leaders and uh, the experts and the leaders that you attracted to that podcast as it was getting off the ground before it even had any brand recognition um, was amazing. And you did it all yourself. And um, I think you're right, right? I think that's something we very touched on very small with Bobby. One of Bobby's great gifts is this gut instinct, right? Bobby was the one that introduced me to Jamie. She was on an earlier episode. Yeah. Really right. And she was right out of school. And he told me this one's going to be special. Right. I, I think you're right. I think great leaders see that potential. It's that human spirit. They see that human capability and then they know how to surround people with others can, that can help them be successful. Yeah. Well, so we're, we're coming up on time. There's something that's been kind of like in my back all day. And this is, oh. this is not going to work that well for people that are just listening to the podcast, but for people that are, that are watching, they may be able to see. I'm not sure if we can get the cameras on this. There's been an elephant in the room the entire day, and I think uh -oh. we need to address it. What, what is the elephant? There is another podcast that's called The Evolving Leader. Ah. Yeah. I've actually listened to some episodes. Okay. It's fantastic. Is it? And I think if people like this... They should listen to that one. Yeah, I listened to one yesterday with a with a sports psychologist. Okay, uh, who has worked with the British Olympic team, rowing team, track team, um, and uh, and so so anyway, if you if you've made it this far with us and are looking for something to pass the time until hopefully we're back with season two. Yep. Go check out the other evolving leader podcast. And, uh, and, and hopefully we'll see you soon. I love it. That's great. What we want is more great leaders, principled leaders, authentic leaders in the world. Any way you can drink that up, uh, I think that's what we need. So more of it is better. Absolutely. Well, David, it's been a really fun day, uh, a, fu a fun 10 episodes. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great. Thanks. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of The Evolving Leader. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating, a glowing review, and a share on whichever social media networks you call home. For more on the podcast and to view video of each episode, please visit daviddewolf.com slash podcast.